Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer in our morning Bible study. We're excited to have you with us as we study the Word together. So, let's get to it. Who wants to lead us in prayer? I will. Thank you, Kyla. You're welcome. Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for this morning and how beautiful it is outside and how you give even the squirrels the guidance to gather their nuts before the winter and you make them diligent workers, God. And how you allow the animals to be an example of how things were meant to be for us, God. And that we can see you in everything. We ask you and welcome you into this place, God. And ask that you move in our midst, God. And just have your way with our Bible study. And that you touch the listeners at home. And touch their hearts, God. And open their eyes so they can see what you see, God and make it easy for them to follow and understand and comprehend what you're saying to them, God, and make their path straight for them. So it's not hard for them to understand, but clear that they can do it. In your name of Jesus, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so we're in Second Samuel chapter 9 this morning. So let's get to the word, shall we? I'll read first. All right, sir. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they, so when they called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there was still a son of Jonathan who was lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mekor, the son of Amiel, and Lodibar. Then David sent and brought him out of the house of Mekor, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he found his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here's your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all of his and all his house. I'm sorry, and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat bread at my, 
at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. So, when the Holy Spirit revealed to you guys, or what questions do you have? Um, it's just interesting to see how David still is adamant and about keeping his promise to Jonathan, even though it's been however many years. And he hasn't gone back on his word, even for a second, that he still searched long and hard for someone that he could keep his word and he could honor it. Exactly. He's, in a, he's now in a, a new place, and as we just read in the last chapter, there is the, um, his kingdom is being established. And now he has an administration. He's, it's organized. It's struc- there's structure to do everything the Lord has asked him to do, but also to rule and to have peace in the land. And, and I, I find this fascinating because it really shows the character and nature of, of the Lord because human nature would be to sit back. It's all done, right? Kind of, I'll say, wash your hands of it, but just kick, kick back and up. relax, yeah. right? Everything's set and established, and now we just go do the, I'll say, the daily grind, right? And uh, which is whatever the king wants to do. But instead, he doesn't take that opportunity, that human perspective of now it's time to relax. But he searches out ways to bless people now that he's established. How can he use the, the position, the power, the authority the Lord has given him to bless and benefit others? But also to I'll say, pay his vows or his mm-hmm. covenants. That he's made, regardless of how old they are. Mm-hmm. He seeks that out. Yes. Well, he's the mm-hmm. king, so now he can have other people seek it out. But mm-hmm. he, he ultimately is responsible for that. So I, I find that fascinating and also as a pattern example for each of us to follow. What else? Mm-hmm. David just gave uh, Jonathan's son a lot of land if he gave him all that Saul had before, since Saul was the first king and had a whole bunch of riches. I mean, I've read about other kings in the Bible. They've taken lands from people, and it's a bunch, and they they never had done what David did, giving it all back, restoring all of it. Not You can have a quarter, and I'll keep the other three-fourths because you owe me tribute. He gave it all just like what jesus does with us when we come to him he gives us all of himself not well i'll give you an eighth of myself today the other seven eighths is mine you get the whole thing because that's how he is god is good um david may have only been doing the generational land and territory um versus cities but it doesn't make that clear so whereas uh, you know when in the law when it was given, they weren't allowed to take their inheritance from each other, even at, even if they had sold it at Jubilee, they had to give it back. 
Mm-hmm. They had to give the land back so that each family still had their name represented in the earth, their land, and also their genealogy, their generations. So it may have only been that generational plot of land and territory, but it may have been something larger as well. That's really good, Layla. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, then I also found it interesting that it said, I was mentioning that Mephibosheth was laying both feet and that David didn't push him out and go, you go eat at your own table since he was lame. That's true. Didn't mistreat him because he was handicapped. But instead provided all the more for him. Right? Because he's he's lame in both feet. He's unable to walk. Which means he really can't take care of all the land. Right? Yes. So what does David do? Charge his servants to do it for him. His servant, right, Mephibosheth, and all his house, his servants, everything that he has. So Zebus. So Ziba still has his claim, his inheritance, generationally or, or whatever. Right? Wait, Ziba was a servant. Yeah, yes, yeah, sorry, not Ziba. Mephibosheth right. still has his inheritance. Ziba was Thank working you. for him. Yes, but he has someone and people mm-hmm. to tend the land and take care of it. So it's still maintained, it's still able to produce, and not mm-hmm. just for Mephibosheth, but for the generations after him. Yeah, because he still had a son. but Exactly. Typically, lame people were beggars because they couldn't go and do the physical work. But now he's got a place at the king's table. He was living in someone else's household. Right. Um, Which goes back to after they had escaped mm-hmm. and they heard David was coming. And that's how he ended up being lame, lame. or mm-hmm. um, disabled in the first place. Right? He was dropped. Yes. Yes. And, and as a result suffered this disability. But you see, that didn't matter to David. He still took care of him. There was no obstacle too great to repay his vow. Mm-hmm. So that's good, sir. Mm-hmm. What else? David didn't go. Well, just because you're lame, just go find somebody else that it doesn't have some sort of disease. Or he didn't tell somebody to go kill him because he's lame. Okay. But also, even in who he had to take care of his land, who was it? Someone that already used to belong to them. Someone that he knew that he could trust. Right? Yes. Someone that clearly has been taking care of him or helping him. Through this whole time. So there's already a relationship there. He can trust him to take care of the land. To do well and do right by him. Right? Yes. As opposed to a stranger where, who knows. Mm -hmm. But it's someone that he knew that even though Mephibosheth wasn't going to be there because he's going to be with the king. At the king's table in the king's household. He knew that his... His possessions, his land, was going to be taken care of. 
So that's mm-hmm. good. Anyone have anything else? I also like the part where David honored him as a son mm-hmm. and not just as a guest, but as one of his own sons. Mm-hmm. Even though I think they would be around the same age, I think Jonathan was slightly older than David, but Ms. Vosheff would still be around the same age as David's sons. Yeah, so technically this is David's nephew, both emotionally, like his brotherhood with Jonathan. Jonathan, but Milcall, that is his aunt. So this yes. is technically his his nephew, even though there was combat between the house, you know, the the homes and all that. And but this is his nephew, and he's bringing him in and treating him like his own son because his father has, you know, hopefully gone home to be with the Lord, but is no yes. longer on the earth in that capacity so mm-hmm. but he was also treated as a prince mm-hmm. not as he as he was yeah. oh he was but normally you don't see that when a family has been cut off from the throne they're mm-hmm. turned to peasants or beggars but miss Mephibosheth, he was still treated as a prince mm-hmm. and sat before the king amongst all the other kings sons yep which who were some of them were his well did michael have um children she had five yes so he had some cousins there but was able to come into family versus being in isolation that's nice but isn't that exactly how the lord treats us when we come to him yes Yes. we submit to his lordship Mm -hmm. treats us as one of his own his son or daughter Right? Faithful. Yes. Amen. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. But he accepts us right. That's the same thing in the in the parable of the uh, um, prodigal son. Right. Yes. Yep. He'd gone his own way, but when he came back, it was still about putting the finest robe on him, putting a ring on his finger, and mm-hmm. accepting him back in as a member of the family, even though he only wanted to come in and be a servant. That was that was what he was shooting for. Let me at least just be one of the servants. But he was accepted in, given a feast, a place at the table, and welcomed back in as one of his own. I mean, it was the prodigal son. Well, the prodigal son was the father's, yes, biological child, heir, right? Yes. But he was welcomed back in as such. One other thing I found really interesting that nobody brought up yet. Mephibosheth was who? In relation to uh, David and Jonathan and all that. Who was he? Uh, a son. Okay. Of Jonathan, right? Yes. But in verse 7, who does David acknowledge? Which household? The house of Saul. Hmm. Not Jonathan. He says, for your father's sake. Kindness for Jonathan, right. your father's sake. But he restored the land, the land of Saul, your grandfather. Yes. But he mentioned both of them. 
he didn't mention both of them, but he mentioned that it is Saul's household, mm-hmm. right? The house of Saul, not the house of Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, which as we know when we studied in 1 Samuel, was definitely a friend and, and brother, if you will. A covenant partner. Exactly, to David. Mm-hmm. But Saul was an enemy. So mm-hmm. in that, just those few words, you see the, how to phrase it, um, the forgiveness and the compassion of David to not just do something nice on account of what's owed or his desire to to honor a friend, but he's honoring his enemy. Mm-hmm. If you were someone who was an enemy to him, mm-hmm. he's still being nice, being forgiving, being loving, caring, compassion, all those things, and honoring them in his own house. Which can't happen aside from forgiveness and letting the love of God flow in and through you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which makes that part right there. Yes, he did some amazing things as far as giving him a place at the table and in his own house. And, right, those are all great things. But he first begins by honoring someone who was an enemy to him. Mm-hmm. Which makes that, to me, even more amazing. And you really see the the love of God, the nature and character of God come out in and through David in that moment. Mm-hmm. We we discussed before, like if you read through the Psalms, you'll see David going, I hate who you hate. And, um, you know, being taking a, a kind of a vengeful attitude towards people that were in opposition to the Lord, but also towards him and he's like you know god take care of him cut him down you know he's he's kind of rough towards him but in one particular scripture he says search me try me lord and see Mm -hmm. if there's any wicked way in me see make sure that i'm lining up with you and if i'm out of alignment correct me because in in the law in the old testament they believed an eye for an eye right and and how the law was given if you do this to me i'm going to do it back to you but God's way, which Jesus gave us understanding concerning, he enlightened us, if you will, is not to return evil for evil, but it's instead give place to wrath, back up, be at peace with the people, love your enemies, right? Um, Is that Matthew 5, 43? Give you a moment to turn there. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm -hmm. So when David humbled himself and asked God to show him, like, you know, teach me, Lord, teach me your ways. Then the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever 
expounded upon, this is who I am. This is my character, that you love your enemies. And you see David, in particular with Saul, continue to work that over and over and over and over. Right? Yes. Continually. It wasn't easy. I mean, he even had people going, hey, just let me run them through one time and we're done with this. We're good. We're going to solve this problem. But he said no, because he had learned from the Father. And his, while he was walking and running in the wilderness, if you will, seeking the Lord to find out who God is, he learned his character and his nature. He learned Christ, our Savior, in this process because the Father, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. So he began to know those things and walk in them. He did not know love your enemy just from looking at the Ten Commandments. And he didn't actually even have that with him because it had been some time before he had went back, been back to the temple. How did he know this? Because he let the Holy Spirit minister to him and teach him through his lifetime. He said, this is the information I have, but Lord, if I'm not holding it correctly, if I'm not applying it right, show me. Because my heart and my desire, I truly want you to teach me. And I truly desire to look like you, to, to walk and be what you desire me, God, to be. And that's important. It didn't just happen. He didn't just stumble upon it. It didn't just come around naturally as a course of his walking with the Lord or just living through life. It doesn't just happen to you. You have to look into it. You have to seek it. You have to desire it. And you have to allow the Holy Spirit to teach it and reveal it to you and then apply it to your life. That's right. And when the Holy Spirit brings his truth to you because he only tells us the truth and when and compare it to the traditions that you've learned david learned the tradition of eye for an eye but he had to let that go to take up love yes which was god's desire from the beginning to the end that is always his desire towards us is love and that we would show mercy to others as he's shown mercy to us. Jesus takes a great deal of time in his earthly ministry ex verbalizing that, expounding upon it, teaching it to the people and us as revelation. They didn't understand this before. That's why it sounded so different <clears throat> when he would say things like, it's like, uh, the law says you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you have anger in your heart, you've already murdered your brother. It's not just about the physical act. He knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He knows what's the seed or what's deep down that maybe hasn't come into manifestation yet. But that's what lies at the core of it. He knows, he knows what it is. Now, whether you put it into action or not, that's something different. But he's saying don't even allow this to be a thing the core of you in your soul don't even mm -hmm. allow this to have a place to see to have a place in your life because mm -hmm. it would undoubtedly produce fruit right it'll grow roots yes. then it'll spring up and it'll produce however if you uproot those things and instead plant the seeds of love plant the word of god in your heart and the desire to walk in it that will produce fruit 
it will grow roots down deep and then spring up and then eventually produce fruit in your life. So um, I was referencing Psalm 139 when I was talking about David, um, where he was you know, going through phases of the enemies that he's facing and um, talking about hating them who the Lord hates and loathing them. And at the end, verse 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. You see my humanity, Lord. You know what I'm going through. However, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and show him what, it, what he's missing, what he does not see with his natural mind, eyes and ears, what he understands up until this point. Tell him if there's something more than that, God, so then he can do it that way. It feels good to be angry at people sometimes. Well, the flesh is, mm-hmm. is pleased, right? Yep. Our flesh feels good yep. when we're angry. It does. You feel powerful. You feel like you have strength and nobody's going to take advantage of you. And the harder thing is to yield. The harder thing is to forgive. The more challenging thing is to lay down your life. That takes the Holy Spirit. That takes... can only be done with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That takes renewing your mind, training yourself to do so. We, We talk to you all a lot about clothing yourself with forgiveness. Walking in love, but preparing your mind ahead of time. So that way it's not someone um, offends you and now you've got to muster up the strength to forgive. But when you already go into, you're walking around wearing forgiveness, there's no offense even taken to begin with. Yes. That's a whole lot easier than letting a seed get down in you and you think on it and meditate on how wrong they were and what they did to you and you're not going to let them get away with it, et cetera, et cetera. And now having to wrestle that up out of yourself and replace it versus keeping that shield up, keeping forgiveness at the ever ready on your mind, your heart, and on your lips, ever ready to forgive so that you don't even take offense with the people around you, even when and if they try to give it intentionally. Love takes no account of suffered wrong, doesn't even notice. It's not touchy. Not fretful or easily offended. But when we choose to walk in the ways of the Lord, it'll speak well for us in time to come. Looking at James for where it, it talks about that exact thing, right? We're talking about how, yeah, it feels good for the flesh to be angry for the moment. Yeah. For them in the moment, mm-hmm. yes. However, he gets it right at the root of it. James four one. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? But even in asking for, for things, right, it's about the human perspective, right? You ask amiss, you may spend it on your pleasures. 
It's not about what our flesh desires, mm -hmm. right? Paul tells us, or the Lord tells us through Paul in the New Testament, to buffet the flesh, bring it under control, under submission, mm -hmm. so that we do not carry out the things, the actions, the desires of the flesh. Also viewing things from a human perspective, on what feels good in the moment. Mm -hmm. It was about getting the Lord's perspective. His nature, his character, being taught his ways and his thoughts, which are much higher than ours. Mm -hmm. And then walking, moving forward in the things of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like, as we've been, you know, looking through First and Second Samuel, I like to see the humanity of people because Oftentimes we can look at the word and put it off at a distance from us and go and read it just as words on paper and go, well, that was you know, far off. That was a long time ago. Right. And, and to either feel like the people did everything wrong and that's why this happened or feel like they did everything right all the time and think as though God excused their sin or winked at it because they were his favorite, which not true. None of those things are right. Um, God doesn't have favorites. He loves us all equally. No respecter of persons. He loves us with the same love that he loves Jesus Christ with. Jesus, Amen. the anointed one and his anointing. He loves us with the same love. So um, looking, at, looking at believers that have gone before us, some made the, made the mark and some did not. But watching their journey and seeing that, Yes, we are people. We come equipped with a mind, will, and emotions. We are spirit beings. We mm -hmm. live in this body. There's the sin nature, but we also have now the law of grace and the law of life in Jesus Christ. But seeing that you have to buffet your flesh, as Absolutely. you said, my love. You have to. That's a requirement. And that what it takes to make it in the Lord is no different was no different for David than it is for us today. We may have different language, you know, slang or what other kind of words we use, but it's still, his life looks a whole lot like ours when we start to look at it. I, Saul, he doesn't look different. And any one of us can choose to walk with the Lord or choose to run from him. We can choose to cooperate with God or be at war with him. It's a sad little war. I mean, <laughs> it's not going to work out very well. But, you know, people try it nonetheless. But just to see God is still the same. He's the same good God. He still offers good opportunities. Right? It may not yes, be, yes. we're not going to be the king of Israel, but <laughs> promises nonetheless, <clears throat> excuse me, that are valid and important to us. But his life is a life, it's a human life. But it's a life that was submitted to God and experienced ups and downs. Some successes and some failures. Just like anyone else's walk in Christ. Mm -hmm. There are gonna be high points and there are times where you're, uh, I won't say struggling with your faith, but you're, you're feeling kind of down, feeling kind of low. Mm -hmm. Stand, encourage yourself in the Lord and in his mm -hmm. promises and all the things he's spoken to you not just down in the moment, but over the course of your, your life and your walk. Mm -hmm. 
Think on how faithful he's been already. And continue to walk with him. Don't give up. Don't be. Don't feel like you're alone, like no one else could possibly know what you're going through. Because we've read some, some rough journeys here. We've read some good journeys, and we've read some that were difficult. Even when people were following the Lord, they were difficult. Our Messiah's journey was difficult, and he absolutely followed God, the Father, and everything. And he did not fail in one capacity. No, he was blameless. Mm-hmm. It was perfect mm-hmm. as our pattern and example. And he had challenges. However, he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, the right hand of majesty and power on high, right, in all yes. his glory. So he received the reward, the restoration of the glory that belonged to him beforehand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is what? He desired, right? And he found that God is faithful. God has been faithful to our Messiah, and he is faithful to us. We serve a mighty God. So don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. And keep going deeper. Be encouraged. Mm -hmm. And press on. Mm -hmm. Press on in the things of God. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's pause there for a day. And we'll pick it back up again next time. Would like to close us out in prayer. I do. Oh, thanks, Layla. All right. Lord, I just thank you for today and for being with us in this Bible study, Lord, and for giving us your counsel and your wisdom, Lord, and to, and for teaching us and correcting us, Lord, and just keeping us and showing us what it is that you want us to know, Lord. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love, Lord, and the dependability I have on you, Lord, that I can come back to you, Lord. And I know that you are always there because you said you'd never leave any of us or forsake us, Lord. And those that are in in your hand, no one is able to snatch out, Lord. So I just thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your mightiness and your wondrous works, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day. We love you all. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.